0: Many of you may know, for 14 years, my wife Jackie and I lived and worked and made our home in Queens, New York City. Queens is a borough of New York that is known globally. Uh, What is Queens known for? Uh, You know, Manhattan has got all the touristy stuff and Brooklyn's where all the cool hipsters hang out. What is Queens known for? Queens is known for its immigrant population. From every tribe, tongue, nation, and language, Queens is a borough of immigrants. The vast majority of our church in New York was either first or second generation immigrants. Very few had grandparents that were born on U.S. soil. It is wonderfully enriching to watch all these cultures as they enter life in America. I wouldn't trade that for the world. You begin to notice, what do they take on? Can you imagine? You've immigrated to this country. What is it about America that you take on? What parts of culture do you assimilate into? And what traditions do you hold on to from the old country? Fascinating to watch that. And come to think of it, uh, Jackie and I, we were both born in the United States, but we grew up in small towns. She grew up here in Coleman. I grew up in a small town in Kentucky. And so sometimes in New York, we felt like resident aliens, (laughs) Uh, being in a big city like that and all those different cultures smashing into each other. I mean, how do you even begin to illustrate this? The one that comes to mind randomly, I don't know why, but I'd been invited to speak out in Long Island at a dear church of um, Malayali Christians. These are Christians from India who speak Malayalam, and they would have a service that was partly done in Malayalam and partly done in English, and they invited me to be uh, the English portion, obviously. Of the uh, service, and so we arrive there, and it's packed—hundreds and hundreds of folks from from South Asia, from India, walk in. And I'd gotten to know and become friends with—you know—I I knew many, but uh, unlike our churches, where typically a husband and wife will come in and sit together, there all the men are on one side, all the women are on the other. We go in; we're obviously dref, dressed dressed uh, very differently, and uh, so there's some awkwardness there. You know how it is—you you knew, you don't know—and so, uh, uh, bye, honey. I'll see you after this is over. Jackie goes and is seated there and I'm kind of waving at her throughout the service and then uh, uh, I'm seated way over here and uh, 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 I'm asked to speak. I get done with my sermon and I sit down and the pastors come to me and say, and now, would the woman of God please come and say a few words and then lead us in a musical solo? (laughs) Uh, Excuse me? Yes, and now will the woman of God... Tom, you ask your wife, please, speak a few words of sermon, and then, and I'm looking back at Jackie, you know, across the room, and so I look at him, I say, as much fun as I would, I would love to watch how all this unfolds. I said, I I can't do that, Uh, because you need to understand, she'll kill me. And I know you think metaphorically like, oh, she'll kill, she will murder me. And so we chose not to assimilate that part of the culture where the woman of God was then to come up and say a few words and lead in a musical solo, but... Uh, we always laugh about that. Uh, and so, so many days we would wake up and think, you know, where are we? One of the things that's always being asked in an immigrant family is, what parts of our culture do we adopt? What do we reject? What should we take on? Because in some ways we should look just like our neighbors, but in other ways we're going to look very different. If you think about it, the same question applies to Christians, doesn't it? I mean, how should a Christian relate to the world? In what way should a Christian look just like the surrounding culture, and in what way should a Christian be different? You know, we could say, well, you don't need a sermon that says there's a lot of moral filth and decay in the world. Oh, okay. I mean, we all know that, fine. So what do we do? Do we all hunker down and form our own little commune, never get out in the world? Is that it? Or summarily reject everything? Well, that might be seen as judgmental, and and besides, there's a lot that's beautiful in the world, a mark of common grace. And so some people would say, and besides, to reach the culture, don't we have to assimilate in some ways? But on the other hand, what if we start to look so much like the culture that you can't distinguish? That's a problem. How do you call people to convert? If there's nothing to convert to, you look just like everybody else. So which is it? Do we isolate or assimilate? And to what degree? And how do we know? Well, thankfully... We're not the first Christians to wrestle with this question. First Peter offers us a third way. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll see that our choices are not binary. It's not capitulation to the culture. And it's not let's all go off and live in a cult somewhere together. Locked away in a compound. No, no, no. There's a third way. The way of the resident alien. Every member and Alien the way of the exile, the way of the pilgrim. Now, while you're turning to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, remember from last week the context. Peter is writing to a group of people in Asia, spread out, Asia Minor, right? So spread out across what's modern-day Turkey and nearby there. And Peter's trying to get everything he can across to them that they have a new identity in Christ. Do you remember last week? They're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So then, and in the New Testament, watch this, ethics always flow out of identity, never the other way around. Let me say that again. Ethics, how we live, always, always, always in the New Testament, always flows out of your identity, never the other way around. So in other words, it goes like this. Because you're a chosen race, because you're a royal priesthood, because you're a holy nation, because you're a people of his own possession, because of who you are, live this way live with you know sober-minded and righteous and holy and all that it's never the other way around it's never be good little boys and girls and maybe just maybe you can get adopted into the family of god maybe you can become a christian if you act really good no it's always the other way around because you've been born again because of who you are ethics flows out of your identity it's no different here you're a royal priesthood you are an apprentice To Jesus, a disciple, you're part of his royal priesthood. Every member a disciple, every member a priest. And so because of that, I want every member to be an alien. Here's how he says it. Look at verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Gentiles here is just shorthand for um, everybody that's not a believer. Remember Peter grew up as a Jew and so everything to him was you were either a believing Jew or you weren't. And so now he lumps Jews, ethnic Jews and ethnic Gentiles together as the believers and then everybody else is the, he calls shorthand the, the, the pagans, the Gentiles. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There's just going to be two verses today. Let's go back, look at them carefully. I urge you as sojourners and exiles. I love how the NIV 84 translates that verse 11. Sojourners and exiles, look how they do it. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. I love that. And that's why I'm calling this message, Every Member an Alien. Oh, sorry, I should have cleared this up. Uh, No, not that kind of alien. (laughs) Some of you are like, yes, I've always had my doubts about that person. Yes, now I know. <laughs> no, 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 not that kind of alien. A resident alien. An immigrant. A foreigner who is living here. That's a resident alien. And here Peter's saying, beloved, you need to know that being part of the family of God will put you in a whole new way of relating to this world. You need to know you're in exile. And here he's used this image already in First Peter. Aliens and strangers. Look, God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you're not gonna be perfectly at home here. You're a resident alien. What is a resident alien? Well, a resident alien, the IRS classifies a resident alien. Uh, 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 you know, it, 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 I'm sure that the State Department and all this have these technical definitions, but I just wanna point out a couple things. A resident alien lives here, but they're not a tourist and they're not a citizen. Resident alien is not a tourist, not a citizen. What do I mean? Well, they're not a tourist. I mean, they they have uh, many of my best friends in New York were resident aliens. They 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 have jobs. You get what's called a green card, right? That's your resident alien status. A company wants you here, and they 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 they're sponsoring you, and and so you've got a job, you've got a home, you've got uh, your 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 children are going to school. You you know what I mean? You 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 speak the language. You're you're not a tourist. You're not just. You know, a tourist comes in and they don't speak the language. They don't know where everything is. No, you know where everything is. You you speak the language. You're, you're part of the neighborhood. You're part of the community. Years and years. So you're not a tourist. But on the other hand, you're not a citizen. You haven't renounced your citizenship of your home country. So you're a functioning part of society, your neighbors. But you're, you haven't assimilated. And so, you know, you... You maybe sound a little different, or you, you, you look a little. You do things that some people would say are a little weird. You don't maybe share all their values. You don't share all the customs. So you're different because you're you're not a citizen. You don't enjoy all the privileges of full citizenship, right? And you're you're here on a passport, which means you're not going to stay forever. Aliens, strangers. That is the word, and it's a very specific word. But that's the word that Peter uses for us as we travel through our life here as born again believers on earth now we're not tourists okay we have, we, we you know we're, we're here we're a home on this earth but not fully at home philippians chapter 3 says our citizenship is where our that's right our citizenship is in heaven so we are resident aliens the other word here uh, aliens and strangers strangers is exile that word means pilgrim we're on our way I'm just a passing through, the old hymn goes, right? We are in route. We are on our way. And that's why you're never quite at home. Anyone else feel this way? Whenever you go on a long trip, it doesn't matter. It could be a mission trip where you are working among an impoverished place and you're sleeping on the ground. Or it could be a luxury five-star resort. Isn't it true? It doesn't matter whether you're sleeping on the dirt or you're sleeping at a luxury five-star resort isn't it true when you get back home you say there is no bed like my own isn't that true why because no matter how nice it is or no matter what you're doing there's no place quite like home it it doesn't fit just right and peter here reminds us that the world is never going to fit just right for a christian you shouldn't be shocked by that to think we're you know we're headed somewhere every single night think about it every single night we, we set up our tent one day's march closer to home. I hope that encourages you for when you feel defeated. There's a story about a missionary, Henry Morrison. Do you know this one? Henry Morrison was a missionary to Africa, and he and his wife served there for 40 years as a faithful missionary, many, many years ago. And uh, <clears throat> uh, at, at the completion of their service, uh, retiring from Africa, they uh, come home on this great, Ship, and as they're pulling into a harbor there in New York, bands are playing and there's fanfare. It turns out they're on the same boat as the president, Teddy Roosevelt. Tr, uh, Teddy Roosevelt had been on a hunting trip, big game hunting, and to celebrate his return from this hunting trip, bands and parades and celebrations. And Henry Morrison was pretty wounded by that. He says, "Here we've served for forty years, faithfully serving." Our Lord, trying to do what's right, and there's no one. They caught their own cab to the hotel. Teddy Roosevelt goes off on a hunting trip where he's treated like royalty, and when he comes back, there's a huge, huge band and parade. How come when he gets home for, a, for a, basically a, a luxury vacation, when he gets home, there's a huge band, and when we get home, there's nothing? And so um, his wife uh, gives him some good counsel. She says, sounds like you need to pray about that he does and the story goes that uh, he was a new man the next day and she said well did you get that matter settled with the Lord he said yeah sort of ashamed of myself but yeah I did well how'd it go down well I prayed and I poured out all that whining to God and it's like I felt his hand on my shoulder and he whispered to me yeah but Henry you're not home yet that's right he's not neither are we Strangers and aliens. That's the first point I want you to see about when I say every member an alien. Write this down. Aliens have got to know they are not home. Aliens know they are not home. You just got to be okay with that. When you got saved, you got right with God, but now you're at odds with the world. You just are. You got a new citizenship, but in some ways that's going to put you at odds with your current citizenship overnight these people in asia minor that peter's preaching to went from being right at home in this world to being not at home in this world and so did you a resident alien has just got to get comfortable with the fact you're not going to be comfortable all the time the faster we can admit this the better here's an illustration our military is deployed around the world but wherever they are they live under a flag don't they That that little sovereign piece of American soil, wherever it is. Now, sometimes our military is received warmly. Sometimes they're received with hostility, sometimes they're probably just ignored, but whether they're received warmly or with hostility or ignored, never for one minute do they get confused about which nation they represent. So the values they hold, the oath they took, and the allegiance that they will not forsake, even if it costs them everything, is not to necessarily where their boots are on the ground, but to the flag, see, which represents for them their true home. The church of Jesus Christ is not that different if you think about it. Scattered around the globe. And think about it. As Christians, some places in some time periods in some cultures, sometimes Christians are received warmly. Sometimes Christians are received with hostility. Sometimes they are ignored. But no matter what, the church cannot afford to forget this world is not our home. No matter where our boots are on the ground, so to speak, our loyalty is to a king and a kingdom. So the values we hold and the king we serve, even if it costs us everything, we will not forsake. And What about this country we're in right now? How do you speak about our cultural moment? Our country is going through... I love, I love my earthly country. I think you do too. I love the USA. I've always felt like we're in one of those uncommon times in history, in one one of those uncommon places on the globe where, honestly, compared to what other Christians are going through... Christians are treated pretty warmly. That's how I've always felt. But here's what we can't do. You cannot continue to assume, no matter whether you're received warmly or not, whatever happens, uh, you, you can't just automatically assume that American values are automatically going to be Christian values. Does that make sense? Let me say that again, and let's let that sink in, because I think it's painful, but we need to hear it. We cannot assume That American values and Christian values are always going to automatically align. Now, that's painful to a lot of us. It's painful for me, but here's what I think about. I can only imagine the pain for some of you. I'm especially thinking of how much pain it must be for some of my Christian brothers and sisters who are veterans. Many of you are in this room. And you're a veteran, but you also love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a Christian. And here you are, you fought for this country, and now you see the country you love and fought for get further and further outside of the will of God. That must be grief, quite frankly. It must just grieve you. It grieves me. Now, we know the United States is not the kingdom of heaven. And we know, I hope, that the United States is not Old Testament Israel 2.0, as if somehow all the ancient prophecies to ancient Israel are applied directly to the United States. I hope we know that. And we know the U.S. is not a theocracy, right? We don't have an established national religion. But it's okay, I think, to be sad when you see the country you love turn its back on the God you love. Can we not just be sad? That should break every Christian patriot's heart. So what do we do about it? How then do we live as Christians who love our country but cannot compromise our faith in Jesus Christ? How do we live in a nation that has not established and? We'll not establish a national religion. Okay. Well, here's what's great. We don't have to invent some new strategy of cultural engagement. Our strategy has been in 1 Peter all along. In fact, it started, if you think about it, with Daniel or Jeremiah or Abraham, wherever the list goes on. We just have to get better at acknowledging and realizing we are not home. We are exiles. We are aliens. So, Here's what we've done in our family, and I hope you'll join me in your thinking this way. And as you teach your children, uh, we have taught them from an early age oh, honey, there are American values, and then there's Christian values. That's it. I don't want them to be shocked. Uh, by the news or by the country? I, I don't want them to assume that American values and Christian values should be the same thing. They, 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 they are the same thing. Oh, no, no, no. So, so when my kids see on the news that, for example, whatever, uh, you know, hey, some states are legalizing marijuana. My kids don't get bent out of shape. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. That's an American value. Uh, the freedom to do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt somebody. That's an American value. Oh, that's okay, honey. We don't have American values. We have Christian values. We're weird. We're aliens and strangers. And so um, uh, they hear, for example, a few years ago, the United States has decided to define a marriage in um, a sinful way. O- okay, why wouldn't they? That's an American value. Freedom of self-expression at any cost. Uh, that's okay. We, honey, we, we, see, I teach my kids, we have Christian values. See, they, they don't align. Okay. Uh, the, the, the law of the land in America is that abortion is legal. It, it's a legal means of murder. Well, that's the ultimate freedom of self, I suppose. Wicked. Well, you you can say it's wicked, but it's an American value. See, we have Christian values, so we would never do that. We're going to fight against that. See, that's all. Now, there's wonderful coincidences when American values happen to coincide, and I rejoice when that happens. There's an American value of freedom. Christians value freedom. American value is to oppose racism. Christians, same thing. We oppose racism. An American value would be to end human trafficking. Christians are working to end human trafficking. Great! Let's celebrate where they do align. Wonderful! Wonderful! But that doesn't demonstrate that we can be truly ever fully at home. I worry that too many Christians become unglued when they falsely and wrongly assume something that maybe they should have never assumed in the first place. That American values are always Christian values and Christian values are always American values. Now, it doesn't mean Christians should throw in the towel on social issues. We should advocate for social and political issues that we're convicted about by our faith. We want to be good citizens What I don't want is for us to be under the illusion that America is always a Christian culture. Uh, If you don't misunderstand me, I'm not disparaging Capitol Hill. I want us to legislate well and to lobby for social change, sure. But as my professor Robert Smith says, my ultimate hope is not set on Capitol Hill. It's on a different hill. (laughs) I can't tell it like he tells it. But he says, my hope is not on the Capitol Hill. It's on a hill called Calvary because it was there at the cross where I first saw the light where the burden of my heart rolled away. See, He says, now look, every time that flag goes up, I'm, I'm with him. I'll be the first one to put my hand over my heart and say the Pledge of Allegiance. But every time I do, I look beyond the flag to the cross. That's my king. That's my kingdom. See, that's all. I guess I'm trying to say a Christian man or woman is at their best not when they unthinkingly assimilate to their culture, nor when they uncritically isolate themselves, but when they live as this resident alien. Jesus, if you could paraphrase Jesus' words in John 17, we got to be in the world, but not of it. You're not home yet. So how do we live then? Well, Peter says in this passage that if you're not home yet... Here's how aliens live. Aliens abstain beautifully. <laughs> Write this down. Aliens abstain, but they do it beautifully. It's really two flip sides of the same coin. Abstain from evil and maintain good conduct. Look at verses 11 and 12 together. Look at this. So he says, Abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Got it? Abstain. So there are just some things that when you're in the world but not of it, I'm sorry. We just can't be a part of that. So abstain. But don't be a jerk about it. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Isn't that something? Abstain, but maintain these good deeds that are beautiful. The word for honorable can be translated beautiful. They abstain, but not as a judgmental prude. No, honorable. Now, abstain abstain means if you go back to verse 11 abstain just means that put off completely it doesn't say limit your sin a little bit or lessen it no abstain means abstain from what the passions of the flesh these are sinful desires he's saying not just the sin but the desire that leads to the sin why because they wage war against your soul serious business it also means that when you got saved, your soul is secure. But throughout your life, you'll continue to battle your old fallen nature. And that old sin nature, the world, the flesh, and the devil, are doing all that can to wage war against your soul. Notice, this is not a battle against those wicked people out there. No, 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 no. The battle's always here. The real battle is not out there. It's in here. Now, these passions, what does this mean? The word here is like uh, not just desire, but like over-desire. So the problem, and that's usually how sin works, the problem with sin is not that the the desire is necessarily wrong, but the over-desire is how sin works. So lots of examples of this, but your desire for food, when it becomes an over-desire, can lead to gluttony, right? So so you see, the desire for food is not wrong. Desire for nourishment is not wrong. It's healthy and good, but the over-desire, the perversion of that, the same thing. Your desire for intimacy is not wrong. Uh, uh, the perversion of it, the overdesire, desire would be intimacy outside of the bounds of a biblical marriage, right? So whether it's it's, it's adultery or pornography or whatever it is, the, the, that's what you're warring against. The desire for approval is not wrong. The over-desire, well, you'll, man, you'll sell your soul. You'll be anything to anybody as long as you'll fit in, right? Uh, your desire for security is not wrong. The overdesire desire when you become uh, hoarding of your riches instead of generous, got it? So it's, it's, it's the over-desire. That's what Peter's saying. That is a war. Said, the idea here is abstain from passions. Notice this. Passions, but not... not you abstain from the passions, but not from the people. Uh, notice uh, that verse 12. Among the Gentiles. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles. Among means among. In the world, but not of it. It means you're still going to live among You're abstaining from the passions. You're not abstaining from people. Are there exceptions to that? Probably. I think early on when uh, uh, I'm imagining uh, folks coming out of addiction, they talked about until I separated myself from a certain group of people, I never could get healthy. I never could get right. Early on, I think that makes sense, because when the passions are so wrapped up with particular toxic relationships that are dragging you down, then yes, in that case, abstain means not only from the passions, but also the people. But even then, you're not totally abstain. You're, I mean, you're, you're not totally from being among the people, because you can pray for them, you can, and you can pray that other Christians will come alongside and reach out to them. You just can't be part of that anymore. Okay, the point is, you're still, and you're going to be around other people. Fine. You're still among the people. As we're among unbelievers, we're to abstain from those over-desires. And that means, I mean, think about what advertising is. Advertising is trying to get you to indulge in something. And so we, we won't consume the way the world does. Here's a way where Christians will look different. We're just going to do politics differently. We're going to to drain all the hate out of the way we talk about that. We're going to do social media differently. We're not going to consume the same way. We're going to look a little weird. We're not going to slander. We're not going to spend all our money on ourselves. We're not going to consume media. Aliens just abstain. We're going to consume it differently. But notice, we're not just abstaining. We're abstaining beautifully. That word in verse 12, honorable, can be translated beautiful. And that means if you're a Christian business owner, run an excellent business. Fair with great service. If you're a Christian farmer, remember when we did the work series and we we interviewed uh, uh, my friend Jackie who said uh, when you farm as a Christian farmer, plow straight and don't cut corners. Remember that? That's what it means, honorable. He meant fair in all your dealings. If you're a Christian teacher, teach with excellence for the glory of God. If you're an artist, make beautiful art. And over time, you will become an enigma. The world won't know what to do with you. On the one hand, As a Christian, the world will eventually come to realize they they hate everything you stand for. And yet, they cannot deny your good conduct. And so they just cannot figure out what to do with you, Christian. It's like they look at you like a, you know what they look at you? Look at you like an alien. Exactly! (laughs) On the one hand, you have all these views that I find reprehensible. If I'm a modern you know, American. I I I, I can't believe. It. And and they, they call Christians dangerous. They not. On the other hand, they're the first ones out there feeding the poor and taking care of the homeless and showing acts of mercy. What do you do with these people? Uh, let our goal be, in the words of John Piper. I thought this is such a great way to put it. He said he wants every Christian to be, and I quote, a winsome weirdo. I love that. Let's be winsome weirdos weirdos because there's some things where we just don't fit in and people can't figure out why but winsome weirdos because we're not obnoxious we're loving and kind and always thinking up new ways to do good oh aliens let's be winsome weirdos this is a difficult word for everybody i think to do that to stand out but let me just encourage for the record i think that there is a particular group of people that need to hear this um because it's easier the older you get maybe this is true I think the older you get, there is a sense in which it does get a little easier uh, to not worry so much about what other people think. You've kind of decided, look, I am who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm okay to stand up for that and whatever. Uh, maybe. But there's a group of people. It's easy for someone older to say, stand up for Christ. Who cares what people think? Um, if you're a high schooler right now, if you're a middle schooler, even college students, it matters very much what people think. And so it's easier for somebody to say, ah, you know, you you shouldn't care what people think. That's easy to say. But can you imagine standing up faithfully for Jesus Christ being 17 years old right now? Can you imagine the pressures that they're facing, that I didn't have to face, maybe you didn't have to face, to just give in to fit in? And I want them to know they're not alone, and you're not going to fit in. But I also want them to know you are far from home. You're always far from home, but you're never far from him. He loves you, and he'll stand by you. And moms and dads and grandmas and grandparents, can I encourage you to raise alien children? And Mr. Rebecca, you may be convinced some of your children are well on their way to being aliens, yeah. But that's what I want. I want our parents to, listen, no parent, did you know this as a parent or grandparent? Nothing, you cannot make your kid get saved. Did you know that? There's no forced coercion, right? You cannot do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But what you can do is create an environment where that can happen easily, see? So you're working to create an environment where from the very early ages, they're okay with being different. They're okay with being aliens. Like I told, like, like I told earlier, oh, that's okay, kids. Whatever the culture does, we have Christian values, see? Christian values. No, no, honey, we're, we're aliens. I know you're in the seventh grade and you're the only kid in the universe who doesn't have a smartphone, but we're not from this universe, Oh, no, you can't go tonight. Oh, no, why? Because we have church on Wednesday night. I know, that's weird. We're aliens, remember? Ah, no, 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 you can't eat dinner in front of the TV. We're going to sit around this dinner table, and no matter what, we are going to try to talk to one another. Why? Mom, this is weird. Weird? You think it's weird? Dude, we're aliens. I'll see you're weird and raise you an alien. No, you can't see that movie. I know all your friends. No, you may not have an Instagram account, but I'm 52. I don't care. Yes, we're weird, and no, we don't belong. And for crying out loud, can we not just admit we are aliens? It's okay. Winsome weirdos. Come join us. What can a winsome weirdo expect? Slander. Aliens expect to be slandered. You see what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to prepare my kids. I'm trying to to prepare our church. That's okay. Aliens expect to be slandered. Later in this letter, in 1 Peter 4, Peter says something interesting. He goes, don't be surprised. In 1 Peter 4, 12, he says, don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you. As if something strange is happening to you. Aliens expect to be slandered. Keep your conduct. Look at verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that if they speak against you. No, 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 no. What's it say? Not if when when they speak against you as evildoers when they speak against you as evildoers can be translated from the greek haters gonna hate it says peter says don't be surprised why is, why is it so important that peter tells his people Expect to be slandered and don't be surprised. Here's why. Why would it be so important in 2021 for a pastor to tell his people, I want you to expect slander? Here's why. One of the deadliest viruses that can creep into your life is this I am a victim. That victim mentality, watch out, that leads to self pity. It's toxic and it happens because we're shocked when folks find out we're Christians and they look at us and they call what we do evil. No, 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 no. How can you be a victim when you're a member of God's royal priesthood? How could a, how could a holy nation and a chosen race ever feel like a victim? We've got to remember that as we're resident aliens, y'all, we're the visiting team. We're the visiting team. Now, you go to a, a, a football game, and everybody cheers, and, and, and they're going crazy when the home team comes out of the stadium. Oh, but then when they come out of the, when that visiting team comes out of the tunnel, they call them every name in the book, but child of God, right? And when they're yelling at them and then all that, right? At no point does the visiting team look around and go, what? "I'm starting to think they don't really like us." Here's what we'll do, guys: we'll change jerseys and we'll wear their jerseys because they seem to cheer for and like those jerseys. No, not at all. Why? Because they never expect it. We're the visiting team, so what are we going to do? We're going to keep our conduct honorable, and we're going to play in such a way that we silence the hostile crowd. Right? The analogy breaks down because in that analogy, it pits us as opposition to uh, the world, when in fact our fight is not against flesh and blood, is it? Our fight is against our own passions, which are waging war in the soul, and it's not us against the world. It's us for them that God may be glorified. So the analogy breaks down. If you can think of a better one, I've got another service in a few minutes. At any rate, you're not the first Christians to face slander. Do you know there are historic examples of slander against Christians? We go all the way back to the earliest church. Did you know what the earliest church was accused of? There's a letter, you can go back and read, a philosopher wrote a letter to the emperors saying, you you know, go easy on these Christians. I think you're misunderstanding them. Uh, They were accused of three main things. Christians in the early church were accused of being cannibals uh guilty of incest and above all atheism cannibals why because they heard everybody talking about eat my body and drink my blood and they took the 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 lord's supper meal the romans slandered them and said they're cannibals they eat something about they eat eat flesh and drink blood now you and I look at that and go, that's not true at all. Of course not. No, the, the slander against you won't be true either. And they didn't get to defend themselves. And you may not either. Just know that one day, thousands of years from now, what you're being accused of will be ridiculous. We laugh at that now, cannibals. How about this one, incest? Because uh, the, at their feast, they called everyone brother and sister, and they were so adamant that there was to be love for the brother and love for the sister. And they said, these are incestuous relationships. That's ridiculous. Ah, but they didn't get to defend themselves. My favorite is they were atheists. The early Christians were accused of atheism. Why? Because they denied the existence of all the pantheon of Roman mythological gods. And they said this, the Christians are dangerous for Rome. It's not just that they're neutral. They're dangerous for our culture. Why? They reject the gods of our culture. They're atheists. When in fact, they weren't, they weren't atheists, were they? They, they? they bowed to the true God. It would be interesting to see how Christians in the coming years are going to be told more and more that we refuse to bow to the gods that are popular in our culture. See, well, same thing now. You'll be called everything. A modern Christian who stands for his or her faith, narrow, judgmental, homophobic, a woman hater, ignorant, legalist. Are any of these true? I suppose there are examples of Christians failing and not being a winsome weirdo, just being an obnoxious sinner. But in some ways, I think the exception proves the rule. But I could take time to defend all these things, but I think that's sort of Peter's point. Just expect it. All this can be pretty discouraging, so let's wrap this up with some encouragement. The last one. Aliens know they're not home, right? Aliens abstain beautifully. Aliens expect slander, but aliens will wow others. Some will slander, but others will be wowed to the glory of God. Look at the rest of this verse, and we'll close. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers... They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here, I think Peter is quoting his Lord Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Remember where Jesus said? What does this sound like? Let these people see your good deeds and glorify God. Doesn't that sound like what he said in the Sermon on the Mount? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Like I said, you're you're an enigma to a lost world. So Peter says, you stay faithful. You stay the course. Don't ever give in just to fit in. Remember you're far from home, but never far from him. What is this day of visitation? Well, it's either going to be a day of grace or a day of judgment. For some, they're going to glorify God on the day of visitation, which means they're going to They're going to watch your life. They're going to see you at work. They're going to watch how you react. They're going to look at the way you parent. They're going to look at how you do things different. And though it's so weird, it's also so winsome. They're attracted to it. And and it's not just that they're attracted to you. They're attracted to the one you serve. They're going to ask you about it. And you're going to share with them the good news of the gospel. And over time, they're going to be saved. And God's going to visit them with the Holy Spirit. Just like he saved you, they'll glorify God. But those who reject and those who continue to reject will also glorify God on the day of visitation. But it won't be a happy day, it'll be a day of judgment. Philippians 2 says, On that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Either way, there will be glory to God. So you keep living for Christ and he will be glorified. It's never, I don't want you to leave here and try to be weird. <laughs> It's not that we're trying to be odd. It's that we're odd because we're trying to be godly. And if and when that happens, so be it. Musicians are going to come and lead us in a time of response. As they do, I want you to consider our hero, Jesus Christ, and how he was, was he not, the ultimate exile. If you think about it, the whole Bible is really one big story of trying to get back home. It's really, you, you could say, I suppose you, if you look for a unifying theme, there'd, there'd be several, but you could make the case that this book, the, the overarching meta-narrative, is just trying to find our way back home. It opens up in a garden. It opens up at home, doesn't it? And because of sin, we were exiled from that garden. And the whole rest of the story is about God coming he wants to live with his people in this good earth and the whole thing from garden to new heaven, new earth, right? But trace that theme of exile. And then, and then uh, 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 Abraham, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Abraham into exile. If you go back and look at Genesis, it says Abraham was a stranger in exile. He was an alien and stranger. Exact same verse that 1 Peter picks up on. Uh, and it draws him to the promised land. But because of sin, where do they end up? They end up in Egypt. But God sends him Moses and out of Egypt, gets him back home into the promised land. Well, then because of sin, what happens? Babylon, right? And they're back in exile. God makes for a way to get home. Then comes, of course, the ultimate exile. Jesus was perfectly at home in the bosom of the father, so to speak. He was at home in the halls of heaven in the throne room of heaven and he stepped out of that home and became homeless here on earth you know in the gospels you never once see jesus at home they never come to jesus and they go uh uh," and they interrupted jesus as he was watching netflix at his house and he had his shoes kicked off he never had a home he said foxes have holes and birds have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head so here he is a pilgrim an exile on a mission for us and our salvation and then, when he went to the cross, the ultimate exile, he was crucified outside of the city where he cries from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was homeless. He was lost. He was exiled. Don't you see? He took the exile we deserved. He got the exile we deserved so that we, resident aliens, could be brought home. So, you're an alien for now. But there will be a day when you can drop that alien tag. A lot of these are going to stick with you. You'll always be a disciple, I think. You'll always be part of God's royal priesthood. Okay. But let me tell you, there is coming a day when you will not need this sermon. Do you understand? This sermon comes with an expiration date. There's coming a day where you will not be an alien. Your citizenship in heaven will literally be your forever home in the new heaven, new earth. That day's coming. So hang in there. Be a winsome weirdo. I'll be right with you. Let's pray. God, grant to us, who are your children, this courage to be a resident alien in our time of sojourn on this planet. God, grant to us that we are winsome weirdos. Grant to us that we think of new deeds and new good works we can do that are going to wow others to your glory not for our glory to your glory god grant us that lord if there's anyone here who's not yet a believer it could very well be that they're worried about the cost they're worried about not fitting in grant to them encouragement from first peter it's okay grant to them that they would transfer that citizenship from kingdom of darkness into your marvelous light. Anyone watching online needs to be saved. Let that happen today God for your glory. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.